Daniel, and thank you to everyone that just shared their testimony so brilliantly. Um, and I, I was struck by a line in it, in, in Wendy's testimony. She said she heard from God, and one of the things that God said to her was, I want you to be a part of my family. And so I've got news for you. If you were baptized today, um, everything has changed. And right now, I am your brother. <laughs> You might not have bargained for that when you said you were going to come here today and get baptized, but um, I'm your brother now, and as my family knows all too well, I'm quite an annoying brother. Um, Although, Andrew, uh, happy to provide film recommendations for you from time to time. Um, You see, you have been brought into the family of God. You have responded to the invitation that Wendy heard. I want you to be a part of my family. We know this from the Bible. The Bible says that we are all children of God. And it goes even further. It says, it, it says how we're to relate to one another should be like a family. So do not rebuke an older man harshly. And I remember that whenever I'm talking to Dan Hudson. <laughs> but exhort him as if he was your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. We are to relate to one another as family. Well, that seems nice, doesn't it? It's a nice idea. You know, it's, it's an idea that's all in films at the moment. Uh, you know, if you think about the Fast and Furious franchise or Guardians of the Galaxy, Dungeons and Dragons, these are all films in which like a ragtag group of people from different parts of the world come together and by the end of it, they're family. That's nice, isn't it? It's clearly something that people want right now. But the church as the family of God is not just a nice concept. It's not just a different way of saying, well, church is a good place to make friends. It has a practical and spiritual impact on your life. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, I want you to at the end of the sermon, be maybe reframing how you think about church as the family of God, to be looking at the people sat either side of you as a mother and father, a brother or sister. And if you're hearing you're not a Christian today, keep listening. This is for you as well, because you too can join this family. As Fiona shared, you might not have come here today expecting any of that, but this family is for everyone. So the The best way to understand the church as the family of God is to look back through the whole story of Scripture because you find that it's woven in to every part of Scripture. And if you've been coming along to this sermon series for a while, I really hope that you found it helpful that this story of creation and rebellion and redemption and then new creation, that you'll see that God's plans have been written in since the very beginning of time. And family has been a part of that. So that's the, uh, that's the story we're going to follow today, and it starts with creation, with Adam and Eve. And if you remember their commission, part of it was to be fruitful and multiply. In this instance, that means have children, and then your children should have children. Multiply. It starts with a family, and a family unit with a purpose. But then further along in the Bible we encounter Abraham, and he's told, you're going to have a family, and that family has a commission as well, to 
take the promised land, to move into the promised land, and to bless the earth with his descendants. It's a family with a promise and a purpose. We see it again later in uh, the Old Testament when we come across David and he's told, your family has a purpose. Your sons will be kings. You will have a line of kings that will eventually lead to the king of kings who will establish an everlasting kingdom. It's a family with a purpose. And then you look at the wider picture of the Bible and you trace the lineage from Adam and Eve to Abraham to David and you realize that it is actually all one family, a family that God is using to outwork his purposes on earth. And we begin to see that family is about blessing and belonging. Family is the means that God uses to bless people and so that they can belong to him. They are his people, this family. There's something about the family unit that creates a bond formed of love, commitment, and blood that makes it the best method for passing on the blessings and purposes of God and creating the strongest sense of belonging and identity. And we know from previous sermons in the series that God still loves the family unit, and he wants to bless it as a way of... um, Uh, as a space where people can be protected and provided for and um, where they can be taught and guided and led through life. But people continually rebel. Adam and Eve, we know about their rebellion, but this promise that their lineage would lead to, uh, that they would fill the earth with it, their first two sons, one of them kills the other. Brother fighting against brother. We go to Abraham. He gets the promise of a family that he'll bless the earth with his descendants. And his first child is outside of his marriage. And then his son, Isaac, well, he has two children. One of them steals his brother's inheritance by lying to his father. That son that stole the inheritance, Jacob, he has 12 children, 11 of them gang up on the other one, throw him down a well, and then sell him into slavery. King David, what a promise his family received. A line of kings. Well, his son, Absalom, rebels against him and tries to kill him. And is eventually killed himself by the general in David's army. The Old Testament is a story of one big family who God chose to bless, and then lots of smaller family units within it who fight, murder, cheat, lie to each other. And there's a chance that you're here today and you've had a negative experience of family. Maybe you have experienced violence or instability turmoil within your family when you're growing up. Maybe family hasn't been possible for you in the way that you would have hoped for, either through marriage or through having children. And you hear that today's topic is going to be about family and you feel a bit of pain. The good news is God has a plan to redeem the idea of the family unit through the church And the blessings of biological families get transferred to the church as a family. That's why it's more important than just something nice. 
So what do I mean by this? Well, you look in the Old Testament and you see recurring themes. You see genealogies all the time. You know, uh, Jehoshaphat begat Zebulun, Zebulun begat so-and-so. Begat just meaning was the father of. And you see these long genealogies the whole way through the Old Testament. You see a lot about marriages, weddings as well. Uh, Jacob, who I mentioned earlier, he waited 14 years just to get the right wife. And there are lots of stories in the Old Testament about finding uh, a spouse in order to continue this family line, in order to keep passing on the blessings and the promises of God through this family. And the third thing you see is lots of miraculous births um, so, so that the family line can continue. Genealogies, marriages, births, the Old Testament is con- consistently preoccupied with these ideas. But the last genealogies we read about in the Bible are right at the start of the New Testament, and they end with Jesus. The last marriage of named people that we read about before the, the marriage and new creation, we'll get to that, but the last marriage between named people that we read about is between Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. The last miraculous births that we read about in the Bible are John, Jesus' cousin, who is a prophet making the way for Jesus, and then, of course, the miraculous birth of Jesus himself. After Jesus, we don't read about anyone begetting anyone else, just about the only begotten son. We don't hear about who belongs to what tribe, except who is in the tribe of Jesus. It's still about blood, but not the blood that's passed from parents to their children, but about who has been covered by the blood of Jesus, anyone who believes in him. And the purposes of biological family, that God has been using this one family and many family units within it as as a way to outwork his purposes, is now outworked in the church. And we get to receive blessings and belonging by being a part of God's family, by being children of God. And this is amazing news for people who have imperfect families here on earth because God is working out his blessings through this family, through the people in this room right now and our family uh, around the world. So what do families offer that we can find in the church? Well, loads of things, but if you just think about what families bring, families bring intimacy. Now, we too often in the West confuse intimacy with sex, but it's not. It's about closeness. It's about closeness, being intimately involved with people's lives. And church can offer that. We we live alongside one another. We hold one another up. We, we get involved. Families bring companionship. And church family is intended for that as well. The church should be the ideal antidote to loneliness, which is such a problem in our city. Families bring identity. Well, now your identity is as a son or daughter of God. Your identity is a is that you belong to the family of God. Families bring protection. In church, we look out for one another. 
We stand up for one another and they bring provision. The church helps one another out in times of need. In families, parents teach children how to live, the difference between right and wrong. And I loved hearing in the testimonies about all of the people who have guided the people that got baptized along their way, the people who've helped. And even as Matt was praying for Andrew, he said, I wanted to see what wisdom I could pass on. And I just want to take a moment to commend spiritual mothers and fathers because they are the people I don't know I don't know about you but I see people at church far more than I see my own parents and I receive so much wisdom and grace from the older people in church who are looking out for me who are teaching me uh, the ways of Jesus and showing me demonstrating through their lives what Christ likeness looks like and that is available to everyone who's in the church and yeah so so this is what families can bring but these might all be slightly abstract terms like okay that's nice but you know what does that actually mean what does that actually look like well i just okay let's look at some practicalities and what do families do families go on holiday together they eat together they pass on wisdom sometimes money, they share their things, they're patient with difficult family members. That's a much more practical vision of what family looks like. And it should be equally true of the church. So if we just go back to that slide a second. Um, Church family, we can go on holiday together. And I'm not just talking about the weekend away, although I believe there is another one for next year booked in and you should go on it. Um, But why not? Holidays are high points in people's lives. Why not share that with your church family? If you've gone holiday with a brother or sister, why not a spiritual brother or sister? Families eat together. I will say, King's Church does this very well. We are always eating. that's great. It's biblical. Keep doing it. Keep inviting people into your home. They pass on wisdom. I've just talked about that. We share with one another. Sharing among the church family can be an antidote to the materialism of our world. Maybe sometimes you don't need to buy a thing. Maybe you can borrow a thing from someone in church, like you would borrow from your family. Not every family unit in this church needs a power sander, for instance. You can borrow that from someone else. And they're patient with difficult family members. And this has to be true as well of the church family. We need to be quick to forgive. We need to have grace for one another, bearing with one another and lifting one another up. Family was intended as a means of blessing from God. And it still is. Don't get me wrong. He loves marriage. He loves children. But by expanding the meaning of family to all who put Christ as the head of the household, it means that everyone, not just people who are married, but single people, not just people who are parents, but those without children, can inherit the promises and experience the benefits of family life. 
So this means that we need to put in a conscious effort to live like a family together. Married and single people, learn from one another, be involved in one another's lives. Churches, we have, churches have a call to not make assumptions that marriage and parenthood are the quickest route or the best route to Christ-likeness. They're just one. Singleness and marriage are both gifts, the Bible says, and if you are married, you have the gift of marriage. If you are single, you have the gift of singleness. It's not any more complicated than that. It's not something you need to um, work out, well, do I have the gift of singleness? If you're single, you have the gift of singleness. If you're married, you have the gift of marriage. And all of those gifts can be outworked within the church family. And if we want to keep referring to the church as a family, let it be a place where everyone can experience blessings and belonging and where everyone is uplifted and their gifts have a chance to be realized and fulfilled. And I think this is really important because of what family will look like in the new creation. The bonds that we forge together as the family of God here on earth will endure into the new creation. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're like, what's this new creation? Maybe you think that Christians believe that um, heaven, some place in the clouds, is where we're aiming towards as Christians. But it's not. Ultimately, the end goal of the family of God is a new creation where God is going to make this creation perfect. And we will live there in, in our perfected selves, fully realized. And in that, we will still be the family of God. The earthly marriages that we have won't continue. Jesus says that. Marriage is beautiful. It is an illustration of how God loves the church. But that illustration won't be necessary in the new creation because we will be part of the bride of Christ. We will be married to Jesus as his bride. So earthly marriage will end, but the family of God will not. You will still have brothers and sisters in Christ in the new creation. And so we need to make, we need to make sure that we are prioritizing building the family of God here on earth. If we're asking for his kingdom to come, it looks like building a family. You can see now why I said that Church as the family of God has a practical and spiritual impact. It's because it's not a metaphor. It's a reality that should shape how we live as children of God. This family is for everyone. Um, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you want belonging, you want companionship, you want people who will walk through life with you. It's for you. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, asks for his forgiveness and then says, I'm, I'm going to commit to following Jesus, which is what we heard four people do today. And you can come into the family of God and learn what it looks like to follow Jesus, to live like him through the people around you. And if that's you, if you want 
to join this amazing family, to experience forgiveness of Jesus and the blessings that he wants to give you. And I, I would love to chat to you at the end, to pray with you, or if you don't want to go and talk to a stranger, talk to the person who brought you. But it is for you. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, your response should be to invest in the family of God, to make this one of your priorities as a child of God. Now, the most obvious way of doing that, you've already done because you're here. Turn up. Turn up to church, to small group, to prayer meetings, to the Explore membership course. And if you're finding it hard, I do understand that. Maybe you've been here for a while and you still don't feel particularly known. You think that all sounds good, but that doesn't apply to me right now. Can I urge you to keep going? Because longevity, sticking with it, will bring the depth that you're looking for. And maybe there's just, just a barrier that you need to push through to make that decision, I'm going to commit. And small group is a great place to work that out. And just, I would encourage you, if you find church, the, the intimacy and the companionship part of church hard, I'd encourage you, in your small group this week, bring that up, be honest about it, and see what happens. But also, it's not just about turning up. It is about this change of perspective that I encouraged at the beginning. These aren't just your friends, although they are that as well. The people around you are brothers and sisters, your mothers and your fathers. So be intentional about developing these relationships in a way that deepens them. And in doing so, you'll find that it unlocks a greater level of intimacy and a fresh revelation of God's purposes for you within a community. One of the things we're told to do as the family of God is to worship together. So we're going to do that now. After that, we're going to have tea and coffee together. And extroverts who enjoy that time of the service, you might be surprised to learn that not everyone enjoys the tea and coffee after the service. But today, stick around. Talk to whoever's next to you. Find someone in the kind of black and orange jackets. They would love to chat to you. Come and talk to me or anyone who's been on stage. It's worth it because what are we doing? We're deepening relationships with our brothers and sisters. And it's just, and in that, God is going to bless you. He's going to unlock purpose for you. We are a community with a purpose to bring healing to the world through bringing others into this family so they can experience blessing and they can experience belonging too. So let's worship together and then let's be family together over tea and coffee and biscuits.